Thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the city of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Assistant City Manager, Paula Dennison. Hello, Paula. How are you doing, Miss Sherry? I'm good. So we're back for another round. We are, and Um, I'm ready. And this is still fresh and new in 2021, but we're creeping into it. Yeah, we're going to be rocking this before too much longer. We're a little out of practice. We took the whole month of December off, and we're back. Yes, we are. So who's our guest today? Today we have Zach Henson. Zach is the city's stormwater programs manager. All right. So I imagine we're going to be talking stormwater. And I heard something about rain barrels. Yeah, he's going to fill us in on the rain barrels. Fill us in. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. We're so funny around here. I know we are. I I hope we can, you know... Hear all of the silent laughter and applause. In it the, was funny. From the oh, audience. Okay. Uh-huh. So you got some basic facts about stormwater? I do. So the city of Stillwater, because of our population, we have to maintain a comprehensive stormwater management program, and it addresses certain minimum control measures, okay. like public education, pollution prevention, and elimination uh, post Pre and post construction management, like erosion control, sediment control. So it's all those black uh, uh, tarp things around construction. Yeah, construction fencing with the the solid silt fence type stuff. It's supposed to just make it look nice, but it actually has a function. It actually has a function, and Zach can talk to us about the function. Yeah, so we've we've got a lot of federal requirements uh because of our size population that we have to meet. So he can talk about that. He can talk about rain barrels. He can talk about the master plan that's oh, yeah. being worked on. I There's a lot of stuff in his plans. world. That's my new uh, new obsession. Master plans? Master plans. When mm-hmm. are you going to write one? I am working on one for civic engagement and communications at a municipal level. It's going to be very impressive. I can't wait. I know. All right. Well, welcome, Zach. Thank you so much. Now, you're a return guest, so you, you've got some... Uh, some ideas of how this podcast goes. Once before. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so anyway, so welcome so much, and you know how we start it. So let's go with that lightning round, and Paula's going to ask you some random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Okay, let's go. What was the country you last visited outside of the United States? It's been a while, uh, but it was Mexico. And, yeah. And I went down for... Uh, my in-laws wedding they wanted a destination wedding so it was very expensive for everybody that wanted to go to it they didn't pay for it no no we had to to pay for it it was like a week-long event with in-laws like these right yeah (laughs) so uh you know it was really fun but it 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 used up all the extra savings and vacation money and we had a great Ah. time though yeah, well. So you have to keep reliving that one for a little while. Exactly. <laughs> Just go through and look at the pictures whenever I feel like taking a vacation. Was you on the beach? Yeah, yeah. We were we were on the Yucatan Peninsula, um, kind of over by Cozumel, but it was it was a smaller pre COVID. Pre COVID. Oh yeah. This this was several years ago. This was during the big. Uh, nobody traveled to Mexico because you might get shot because of the oh, drug running. Yeah. So it was actually there were yeah. there were very few people there with us, but there were armed guards everywhere we went. So it was uh, kind of oh, intimidating. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Okay, next one. 
if you could commit any crime and get away with it, what would that crime be and why? I had, a, I had an answer in my mind for this, and I was told to make it bloodier, so... Ratings, baby. It's all ratings. about the ratings. Gotta get the ratings. <laughs> uh, I will just say armed bank robbery. I think that would be a common one for most people. Yeah. You know, you make a little profit. A little profit. If you, you get little, away If you can get away with it. That's the thing. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of, you know... And it's so technical now. It's not like, yeah. uh, you know, in the 30s with all the... Fake exactly. robbers and so stuff. It's, yeah, it seems like a, a, a mental challenge as yeah. well. As <laughs> but no murder and mayhem. Just Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on, depends on if everybody listens, you know. <laughs> so and would we, you have a crew with you or just you? I don't know. I guess it would depend. I mean, obviously, all, I think it would be better with a crew. We all have our masks. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of ready. We're primed yeah. for this. Sure. Yeah. So... Uh, I think we could do that. <laughs> you got the crew. It would yeah. fund our visit to the Mexican beaches. There right. you go. So there's, there's, I like this. We should do it. <laughs> so the bank needs to, Mexico, li, not Lira, because that's Italy. What's their coin, their money? Peso. 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 Yeah, yes. So, so we need to convert need it to, to pesos yes. before we go. Only take not American dollars, but pesos when you gotcha. rob the bank. Gotcha. Okay. So for most of the guests, when I'm a co-host here, I throw in an off-the-wall question. Okay. Just to catch you off guard. I don't want you prepared for this one. Gotcha. So you are a very adventurous young man. You he's like he's yeah. nodding in agreement. risk sure. and you know take that chance and think outside the box. And We're I'm gonna rob banks. Sure. What is the most adventurous thing you've ever eaten? Ooh. Oh wow! Uh, it would probably be raw fish. Uh, not like not like sushi. Oh, um, okay. So I lived in Colorado for a long time, and and we went on the company that I worked for would send me out into the national forest, and we would do uh, random surveys and a lot of GIS mapping. And you know, anytime we were up there, if we were next to a river or a creek or something like that, we would fish and and you know catch trout. We had our equipment kind of packed in, and um, we didn't really pack a whole lot of food because it was too much weight. And we knew we could fish and things like that. And one night it was it was raining, and of course we couldn't get a fire started to cook it. But we caught some trout, and we, you know, the guy I was working with, we were both just absolutely starving. And after running all day hiking up in these mountains, probably a six thousand foot difference from when we started in the morning, we had climbed up six thousand feet. And you know, we were just like, ah, it's sushi. Might as well just eat raw fish. So we we caught some trout in the stream and just kind of went to town on it. <laughs> And both of us were fine. Neither one of us got sick, so. So did you skin it? At yeah. least get the scales yeah, off, cut you know, the head yeah, we, off, you we know. cut the yeah, fillets just, off. Like, and yeah, yeah. Well, just, you Eyeballs know. first. Yeah. Eyeballs um, first. Also. Yeah. No, we, yeah. <laughs> we, we gutted it and cut it and everything, so. So did you like it? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was, it yeah, I, you know, I like sushi and things like that, so it really wasn't odd. And it was, you know, the streams up there are freezing cold anyway, mm -hmm. so it was very cold, very fresh. It was good. Would you do it again? Yeah, I think so. Okay, all you adventurers <laughs> out there, Zach is your guy. Anyway, all right, so we've got uh, a bank robbery. We've got a trip to Mexico, and we're going to eat raw fish when we get there. Sure. We've got this planned out. So let's jump into the real interview. And, All the um, exciting stuff now. I know. That's right. like, let's talk about stormwater. Uh, I really think stormwater is really interesting because it's not there, then it's there. 
how do you plan for it? All of it is really, to me, is really interesting. Um, so, um, so let's just jump in and talk about the stormwater, and then we'll move into the rain barrel program. Sure. So, Paula, I'll let you take the lead on stormwater because that's your, your area. Okay, great. So, first off, if you want to give us just a little overview of stormwater, how the city, what we're responsible for, quality and quantity, and then how you work with the feds on managing that, planning for it, our MS4 program, master plan, and that that should satisfy Sherry's sure. interest and curiosity like a little it. bit. Uh, so basically, you know, stormwater is just rainwater that hits the ground and does not infiltrate, and so it runs off. It's got to go somewhere. It causes issues. You know, that's where we see a lot of the flooding, the streets fill with the water. Um, and it's an inconvenience for a couple of days on the bigger storms. But beyond that, most people don't really think about what storm, why is stormwater that important? See, that's and, me. It's there for just a day or yeah. so, then it's gone. Right. Or I think it is. Sure. One of the, one of the main concerns that we deal with is surface water pollution. And so when this water doesn't infiltrate into the surface, it runs over parking lots, it falls off of rooftops. So if you think of, uh, you know, anytime it rains and you look at the street while you're driving, you can see the oil slicks and, and you can see the shine on it. Well, those are all different pollutants that are mixing together and it all goes somewhere, wherever that water's running to. And it doesn't seem like it would be that much, you know, a little oil spot here or maybe some uh, blowing debris stuck in a, in a trash grate Dirt or something. Dirt from a construction Dirt site. Dirt from a construction site, any kind of heavy metals. Um, you know, when you look at things individually, they're really small and you don't think they have that much impact, but all the water is concentrated into one place. And so it ultimately ends up in, in one body of water and those pollutants can really cause some horrible effects, not only for the aquatic life, but the plant life, and it can ultimately get into the groundwater and uh, pollute the groundwater, which of course we use for our drinking water, and we use surface water for drinking water too. Um, but you know, the more pollutants we introduce into the system, if, if we're not too careful, we could end up, first of all, ruining our fresh water sources, which would be horrible for everybody, but it as far as the city goes, it ruins uh, a lot of the recreational abilities for our, our local lakes and things like that. It can increase our cost of water treatment for our drinking water because all of those chemicals, all those pollutants have to be filtered out or treated by some chemical mean. Or at least hit some acceptable level or, that yeah. has been set for us. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we, don't, we can't remove everything. It, it's pretty much impossible to remove absolutely everything. But we do have to hit those certain benchmarks that are set by the EPA for water quality standards. And like drinking water, there are surface water standards as well. So even though a body of water may not be used as a drinking water source, we still have to maintain a certain level of water quality. So we have to look for individual pollutant sources. We have to monitor for things like heavy metals, even nutrients. So you think about fertilizing your lawn, putting nitrogen and phosphorus on your lawn makes it look great. But then when it rains, anything that's left on the surface goes into a water body and that can create horrible algae blooms, which can also make toxins. And which we have had in a number of Oklahoma ponds and That's lakes right. around. That's right. We, yeah. You know, they, if people swim in it, it could be hazardous to our health. 
a lot of people take their pets and dogs will go and drink the water as they're swimming and dogs have been killed before by toxic algae blooms. Um, and it basically just renders that water body pretty much useless. You can have massive fish kills, so there goes your income from fishing and uh, other sports. You don't want to go skiing in it. You don't want to go swimming in it. So and just it's a, the, the circle of life is has got a notch or a break in it at some right. point. Then, that's yeah. right. See, that's why I find it so interesting. Since uh -huh. I've been at the city, I've learned all of this. Because previously, it's like a dollar on your utility bill to take care of stormwater. Like, okay. But then you start realizing how important it is. And I think you made a presentation to council not too much not too early or far back about the importance of, of that fee in that it's right. used for so many things here in the city. Right. Uh, yeah, originally that fee, like we discussed, was implemented in 1997, and the original intent of that fee was to have a fund to pay for capital projects. Mm -hmm. So if you needed to replace a pipe or if we needed to add some sewers, storm sewers to an area that didn't previously have it to alleviate flooding, um, things like that, but this was before we had these federal mandates that now require we hit these water quality standards. Since that has come into play, these fees that we collect on that typically go towards paying all of our permit applications, they go towards funding some of these things that we are legally required to do, like the public education, and buying, buying you know, handouts, paying for distribution of flyers, um, all sorts of things that really drain that fund. And currently, that fund does not generate enough money for us to do everything that we need to do, and it certainly doesn't generate enough money for us to be able to go in and create these big projects that are needed for flood protection, flood relief, or just general stormwater infrastructure. Yeah, see, that's very interesting, all the stuff that, that people don't really see that is so important to the community, <laughs> and it really doesn't have a funding source. That's right. We have to borrow either from the general fund. I know a lot of it comes from the transportation funding because typically when we build a road, we build all the infrastructure underneath with it. Um, so a lot of the storm sewers that we do have kind of go hand in hand with the streets, but a lot of that funding could be used to repair more streets if we weren't having to spend it oh, on yeah. pipes. And, uh, you know, I think I can speak for most of Stillwater when we say, you know, we've got a lot of issues with the streets and we're doing a fantastic job of wow. keeping up and, and going through, especially with the current pavement management plan. Uh, but that's just another source of funding that kind of drains our ability to, to make those repairs. Absolutely. So you mentioned, Zach, all of the stuff is needing that is needing to be done but is not does not have the funding source to be able to get it done. How do you know everything in the city that needs to be done now, and then how do you plan for what may be coming in the future? We don't know everything that needs to happen, uh, which is one of the biggest issues that we've got right now in regard to stormwater management. Uh, we currently have what we're calling the Stillwater Creek Watershed Management Plan that is in the process of being completed. And we are under contract with a few different engineering firms, and they are going around and they are performing inventories of what we currently have. And through these inventories, they're looking at all the infrastructure, so all the pipes, inlets, anything that's attached to streets. And they're checking their condition, first of all, to see what kind of maintenance they need, if they need to be replaced or just patched or 
or if it's non-existent to begin with and we need to add a new infrastructure to it. They're also looking at all of our open channels. So erosion is a horrible issue that we have in our open channels. They're just unprotected banks. If you go anywhere in Stillwater, look at our primary creeks. It's typically a fairly deep ravine with vertical banks and maybe a foot of water in the bottom. And that's a very unhealthy stream. And it creates a lot of erosion whenever we get these big rainfalls. Those banks just kind of fall apart and really slough off into the water. And that's why you see that red, red, muddy water running everywhere through town every time it rains. It's all that mud, all that clay stuck in that water. And that can cause more issues if it gets clogged in a pipe or if it gets deposited somewhere like the Cimarron River. That's where everything ends up that, that leaves Stillwater. All that sediment gets deposited right at the mouth where Stillwater Creek enters. And if that sediment really builds up over time, it can create a blockage, which would increase the amount of flooding that we experience because uh -huh. the water can't get into the Cimarron. Keeps backing up and so, backing up. And, yeah. and we've, got, we've got crews that are excellent about all of the I&I, &I, the inflow and infiltration into our, specifically our sewer piping system. But sometimes... We have flooding that comes over a manhole and that those chemicals and that sediment and stuff can go into our sewer system, which increases the treatment cost, the clogging factors and that kind of stuff, even at the sewer treatment plant. So That's right. it's here again, Sherry, mm -hmm. it's that vicious yeah. cycle that you just can't get out of. That's right. So we've, we've got a master plan, the Stillwater Creek management plan in the works. Do you have an anticipated timeline on it? Is question one. We are hoping to kind of have the final report and the kind of the final plan within a two to two and a half year period. We're about a year into it, so we anticipate another year, possibly more, before we get that final. That, that it's probably going to be a giant binder full of recommendations and potential projects and suggestions from these in, from these. Uh, these uh, engineering companies that we're contracted with. A true working document yes. then. Yes. Okay, and good. so hopefully we'll have it within the near future. Um, of course, COVID has slowed that down just like it slowed everything else down. So we may have to have a little extra time on the back end of that. Um, but everything's moving forward. You know, we've got people out. We're working with OSU. We've got graduate students that are participating in this project. They're going out and doing a lot of the field work for those inventories. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So love the partnership. Yeah, with that, they're getting real world experience. We're getting the data that we need and it's being uh, you know, we have quality assurance and quality control with that data. Um, but with COVID, you know, they've been quarantined just like everyone else, so they weren't able to get out for a while and, and perform those inventories, but they're going to be back at it this week and we're excited to keep going forward with it and hope to get some great data. Awesome. I really love this project. And uh, I think it's uh, whenever, you know, you come back to council and you make the presentation, I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff in sure. it. So, well, let's jump into the rain barrels because that's okay. kind of the next project you guys are, are working on. So what is the rain barrel project and how does it affect citizens? So the rain barrel, um, it's a promotion that has been active in other municipalities in Oklahoma. It is kind of run through the uh, Central Oklahoma 
Stormwater Alliance, which is a group that we are now a part of. Uh, we were previously, we kind of dropped off for a few years and we joined back with them in the last few years. But uh, they work with a company that takes old food shipping barrels, so they're 55 gallon drums, they clean them up and they repurpose them, they put new lids, they put little faucets on them um, mm -hmm. and things like that so that you can use them for rain barrels. So the fact that they were previously food containers, there's no harsh chemicals or anything that are, it's not going to leach out of the plastic, so it's pretty clean water, it's just rain water. But you can hook these up to your gutter system, catches the water coming off of your roof, and so it works to Number one, conserve some of that water, so you can use it for things like watering your garden. I've heard people say they wash their hair with it. Oh my. I don't know how often that really happens, or if that's just a, an urban legend, but um, you could save quite a bit. And a lot of people like using it for their gardens because it doesn't have the disinfectant that we have to use for the drinking water oh, in it. Yeah. Now, I, don't, I haven't seen any side-by-side -side comparison showing that that's a benefit, really, but over time, you know, if you use them enough of them and they collect enough water, you could potentially save a little bit off your water bill. Um, but overall, it's just a general conservation effort, and it reduces the amount of runoff going into the streets, going into our it, pipes. Potentially, if, if an entire neighborhood, if everyone did it, it would reduce. It could. It would probably have an impact in their neighborhood. Sure, yeah. So if, that's awesome. if you look at a single house, it may not have that yeah. big of an impact. But the more people that join in on this program you know you so, can start seeing some serious effects. so how does one get a rain barrel well we run the promotion um, starting in january every year and it goes until about the first of may we have um, we will have displays in the city hall lobby as well as the library but you order them through this manufacturer that takes these barrels and turns them into rain barrels so the city's not actually selling them we don't make any profit off of it they just send it to us as a bulk delivery and by doing so you can get that lower price on these i think they are 63.50 per barrel which is not a price that you can buy them for if you try to buy them online mm -hmm. through some other distributor or locally i know there are some some places that can sell them locally um, and i don't know the price off the top of my head but they're a little bit smaller but this is a great promotion it's a great price for them and you can either go online to the website and order them online, or you can send in a mail order form, which will be at the displays. So, so um, and if you're um, not where a display is and you're interested, just go to stillwater.org. We'll have a hyperlink on the website to get you to the information, and you can go that way. All right. So well, does, does all, let me ask right quick, Sherry, does all of the attachments or everything you need come with it, or are you just getting the barrel, and then you've got to go out and buy more stuff? So it comes with the barrel itself, the lid, which has a mesh opening. So if you were just to do the basic setup, you would just cut your downspout off at the certain height, put the barrel right underneath it, and it would flow into the barrel. There is an attachment on the very bottom that hooks up to a normal garden hose. So whatever garden hose you happen to have will fit. Um, there are a number of different ways you can set these up and you can order different attachments and you can order multiple barrels and connect them together if you wanted to. Um, so you can order several things off of this website, but if you decide you just wanna start with one barrel and you'll work on it later and just do a basic setup you can always come back and you can get parts at any kind of hardware store local hardware store or online distributor 
and you can get as elaborate with it as you want. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Anyway, stillwater.org, look for the rain barrel uh, link, and come back later, uh, Zach, and you're going to share more information about the master plan, and uh, maybe even this spring, whenever the our spring rain and all the floods and stuff. Let's right. not count on having floods, Hopefully. Sherry. Hopefully. Oh, that was 2020. <laughs> That's so 2020. That was 19. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Zach. As Absolutely. always, you got so much for us to think about. Well, thank you. It was great to be here. All right. Thank you. Every week, the city gets questions in a lot of different formats, social media, website, even phone calls. So this week in the mailbox, our first question is, what is flash vote? I heard there was a new survey, and I have no idea what this is. So, Paula, what do you know? Sure, thanks. So we um, do send out periodically throughout a year uh, when we have identified a very interesting topic that we need the community input on right so we send out a survey through flash vote we have a contract with the company mm-hmm. that helps us with it and it's few questions five, five questions and real easy to take mm-hmm. um so we send those surveys out and we just sent one out and have the results back already that's how quickly the turnaround it's a is flash vote. Uh-huh. that's right it is a flash vote um, and you can learn more about this at flashvote.com, or you can go to the city website. We have a lot of information there. Yeah, so uh, if you would like to have your voice heard and you want to contribute to this information, you can go to flashvote.com, register. And the next time the city has a survey that we really need your input on, you can decide to take it on your phone. You can do it by, uh, if you want a phone call, somebody can actually call you. And uh, it's just a really good way for uh, us to know what the public is thinking on this specific topic. So this most recent topic, as an Uh example, is um, about the virtual meetings that we were able to hold. Yeah, the council meetings that we did. uh, Correct. Council Planning Commission, Board of Adjustment, the, the public meetings that no longer are we able to hold because of the way state statute is written. Correct. So this survey really reached out to our community and got their thoughts on, should we do every bit of it in person? Is there a mixture of the elected officials? Yeah, what are you comfortable with? Exactly, uh, yeah. Are you, are you most comfortable calling? Would you participate more as a citizen, if you had the opportunity to do it From virtually, your couch. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think the I think the responses, and we're actually going to use the responses that we got to help some of our local legislators present this data to yeah. um, to the state to, as part of their discussion that yeah. they're going to have. So the flash vote is just a great way for citizens to be engaged with the government. Uh, let us know what you're thinking on topics, and uh, we really like it. So if you haven't signed up, please do so. Okay, let's jump to the next question. Uh, this is kind of a big one. Uh, is the pandemic hurting sales tax collections? What do you know, Paula? So this is a uh, monthly topic just about at yeah. council meetings, and we're going to have a presentation from our finance director, Christy Cluck. Uh, we're in budget season. So the information is very relevant. So um, the first part, um, first major part of the pandemic 
we were pretty consistent. Yes, yeah. our sales tax was down, but our use tax was up. So there, the use tax helped offset. Because use tax is the sales tax you pay online for yeah. your online purpose, uh, purchases. Yes. Yes, that's correct. So it it sort of balanced each other out. Mm -hmm. And we were able to pretty much maintain our revenues. Once again, Oklahoma lives off of sales tax, not ad valorem or property tax. Right. So it's critical that we get these taxes in. However, recently, the most recent information we've, shown, we've gotten shows that we're not holding our own anymore. Yeah, there's a little dip in it the is. sales and tax collection. And, and it's not looking real positive for the these true winter month periods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of influencers that cause that. The population that we have here that's shopping here and eating here and going out and just spending money here or... Is, has part of our population gone elsewhere. Right. So um, a lot of things are are showing that it's not going to be great for a few months. So we're, you know, kind of holding our own. Yeah, because we, we have to balance our budget. We, we have to, uh, you know, we can only pay for with, you know, buy things that we have money for. Right. Uh, so the city releases a sales tax collection report every month. So you can go to stillwater.org, go to the financial center, and you can go in there and actually see the uh, sales tax collection, uh, the revenues, and are we, you know, are we trending where we thought we would be? So really interesting question and uh, something that we're going to keep uh, watch on, and we'll we'll probably talk about it more here. I'm sure we will, and we have great staff that stays on top of it. Absolutely. This is their job to make sure that we have the money to pay our bills. Yeah, just having staff who are watching things, taking care of things, with, you know, uh, it's, it's something that uh, is just looked at constantly. So we do know what's going on, and uh, we make adjustments accordingly. Yes, we do. Right. Well, thanks so much for co-hosting with me again, Paula. I love it. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned for our next podcast. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org, and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI, Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.